All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Chris and Amy show on KMOX. It's good to have you with us on this beautiful Wednesday in St. Louis. And it is time to go to the Quiver River Electric guest line. Dr. Tamara Rial is a field specialist in horticulture at Mizzou. And we've got cicadas coming, baby. Uh, we're going to talk to Dr. Rial about that. Or as apparently she mm-hmm. likes to be called Dr. Bug. How how you doing, Dr. Really? Bug? Hi, thanks for having me on. This is correct, right? The Dr. Bug thing? It is, yeah. Kids okay. just found my last name really hard to say, and so we went with Dr. Bug. Okay. <laughs> hey, it's it, it. you know what? It's great because it fits. It's very, it gives hmm. a little explanation and some insight into what you do. Okay, well, I'm on the Missouri, the Mizzou website, and the headline I'm looking at said, Billions of Cicadas Bring Buzzy Magic to Missouri in 2024. And buzzy magic is one way to put it. I feel like this sounds like a biblical plague, like billions of cicadas. So can you please put into perspective uh, what is going to happen when these two broods of cicadas emerge at the same time? Even the word brood, it sounds biblical. <laughs> You're right. So, yeah, let's let's break this down a little bit. Uh there are many different, well, there's seven different species of periodical cicadas, but they they can emerge at different times. There's 17-year cicadas and there's 13-year cicadas. And even, even within those, there's, there's different groupings that come out at certain times. Those are the broods. So we have brood 13 and brood 19 that are emerging this year. They will not all be coming out at the same place or time. So here in Missouri, we're going to be seeing brood 19 come out in late April or May. Um, And then in northern Illinois and some of those surrounding areas up there, they will see brood 13. There's a possibility there could be a bit of an overlap, but mostly we're just going to see brood 19 here. Okay. So it's been how long since we've seen them? Well, uh, for brood 19, it's been 13 years since we've seen them. And brood 13, it's been 17 years. However, to have both of these come out at the same time, it was in the 1800s before, oh. since they came out the, and, in the same year. And we're looking at another couple hundred years after this before they come back out at the same time. Is that right? Yeah, it's going to take 221 years before they emerge at the same time again. Whoa. So I... I read that the last time as you mentioned the last two broods emerged together was in 1803 and i heard that that's why napoleon sold the land in the louisiana purchase because he thought i can't do this (laughs) this is too loud is that true (laughs) yeah it's crazy to think about yeah the last time these came out at the same time the louisiana purchase was happening thomas jefferson was president yeah and the next time it'll happen again it's going to be your great 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 grandchildren Wow. Well, so will we, I remember this was a couple of years ago, and I feel like it was worse in Ohio, but there were cicadas 
and people had to shovel them off their patios. There were so many <laughs> cicadas. And I know this for a fact. Uh, is it going to be like that here where we might have to shovel our patios? It is possible. Everywhere. There are that many cicadas. They these cicadas come out um in in mass. And the reason is is because they know that they are tasty. And so other animals, birds, squirrels, even your dogs and cats, they're gonna want to eat mm. and they're gonna get their fill. Oh, Don't worry, your dogs and cats are gonna be fine. Nice. But then there's gonna be plenty more cicadas to lay the eggs for the next generation. Oh, that's wonderful. I think that's and and when you step on them, it's kinda like bubble wrap. No. It's stepping. It's like stepping on bubble wrap. So why would we not want them here now? Yeah, actually, let me ask this question. Here's yeah, an important yeah. question: What do cicadas even do? <laughs> um, this is an important question. Well, first of all, I'm going to tell you what they don't do. They don't bite or sting, so you don't have to worry about them. Okay? Um, they are a really neat part of of natural history. So um, they they feed on plant fluids when they're in the ground for 13 or 17 years. They're actually feeding on the tree fluids from the roots. And we don't have much research to be able to indicate, you know, does this really hurt the trees or not? My guess is it's going to be insignificant. Um, when they emerge, then they do have some feeding on, on, the, on the trees. Um, but usually your trees are going to be just fine. Um, it's only the young trees that we do have to worry about. They actually can be, um, they, they could be negatively affected and then killed. So you need to protect those. And okay, so when they're underground for 13 years, 17 years, they're feeding on the tree route roots. And perhaps that kind of answers the question I'm about to ask, which I saw someone else ask, which is, fu- which is funny. So there are billions and billions of cicadas underground for 13, 15, 17 years. How come when we dig, we don't dig up billions of cicadas? Or do we and we don't know it? (laughs) Well, you might come across them when you're digging, and they're going to be next to tree roots. They and, And where they are in the soil is going to depend on soil temperature and some other things. Honestly, we we don't have much research. We don't have much data on them. For insects that live underground, they're really hard to study. And when their life cycle is 13 or 17 years, that makes it even more challenging. So really, it's a mystery. We we need to know more. We, we know temperatures have been rising. Uh, that's just a, a, a fact. It's been happening. In fact, we had the hottest uh, February day ever in St. Louis yesterday. Um, it, it got to 86 degrees. What what does temperature do or climate as it changes and gets warmer? How does it affect cicadas? So yet another mystery, uh, something else that we have an opportunity to discover. Um, we know that the cicadas typically come out when the soil temperature is about 64 degrees. And so with warmer weather, that means our soil temperature is going to be warmer as well. So it's possible that we could see these a little bit earlier than we typically would. You know, there's actually an app out there for citizen scientists, all of us, to be able to add information to this. Um, If you participate in the Cicada Safari app, you can actually help us be able to track where the cicadas are and, um, and what time that they're emerging. So it would actually be great to have extra help. Scientists can't be everywhere. So this is one of those opportunities for everybody to be involved. What was that website again? Yeah, that's awesome. 
It's called Cicada Safari. And there's an app that's available. You can find it both on the Apple um, App Store and then also on uh, the Google Play Store. Could, uh, like, kids, teenagers be part of this app or maybe even younger kids with their parents? Oh, absolutely. Everybody can. That's awesome. That's I was um, I was homeschooled. So this like sounds like something we would have totally gotten down with. Like everybody download the app, get on this, be a citizen scientist. Okay, can I ask you when the cicadas do emerge from underground after, say, 17 years, how long are they out and about before they die? Because that's a pretty quick turnaround, right? It is. Yeah. For something that has such a long life history or life cycle, they're only adults for about four to six weeks. Hmm. So once we get that soil temperature up and we get a nice spring rain, and then you start to see these holes in the ground and then the exuvia or the shells that you sometimes see um, with, with cicadas that'll be on trees or on fences, then you'll start to hear the singing. And those are the males. It's the males that sing. And what's interesting about periodical cicadas versus our annual cicadas, the males actually synchronize their singing. And that's why it can get so loud, um, over 100 decibels. The females, if they're receptive, they'll click their wings. So there's there's another fun sound that they make. But, yeah, that's, that's how they interact. It's really cool. It's and, and, actually, I have to point this out. Why they're called, why I said they're magic is yeah. because if you look in their name, their genus is Magicicada, Magic Cicada. So, oh. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, if you think about it that way, like something that just, it comes out for four to six weeks and then disappears Mm -hmm. for 13 or 17 years, and then just all of a sudden takes over the ecosystem again, it's magical. (laughs) Well, it's kind of neat that they, you know, they all sing at the same time. They're like a boy band. They all do it. (laughs) They all do it at once. They just know. And, you know, after all these years, they know to do it at once. It's amazing. I think, this is a really this is going to be the stupidest observation, doctor, that anyone will ever make probably. But I I always think of like what if? Wouldn't this be weirder if cicadas were bigger? Like what if cicadas weighed 20 pounds? Can you imagine billions of 20-pound animals coming out of the ground? <laughs> Dr. Bug, do you ever do you ever think about this? Do you know what I mean? Like what if this was bears? What if this was bear behavior? Okay, then that one. Okay. Well, fortunately, they don't, um, but <laughs> a lot of people feel like that anyway. I mean, it, it does have a remnants of, uh, of an alien invasion yeah. um, when you just get taken over by these. Fortunately, they're not bears. Fortunately, they're only about an inch <laughs> in size. <laughs> can't come to work today. I got a, there's a billion bears outside my house. I can't come to work. Right? What are you talking about? I know. Hey, uh, we have a so we, we stream live on Facebook, and a listener, Sean, says um, that he's going to fry up a few this week. No, so uh, or or he thinks he's going to fry them up when they come in. Can you eat them? Uh, yeah, actually, many insects you can eat. Um, it is recommended that you do it when they before they've hardened off and become black uh, with their red eyes. So right <laughs> as they emerge, they're kind of white and they're they're soft and going to be more tender. So yeah. People definitely can eat these. In fact, um, last time these emerged in Columbia, Missouri, there was an ice cream shop. I think it's Sparky's. And they actually had cicada-flavored ice cream. They're not doing it this year. But, um, but yeah, people do. And in, and in, in other cultures, insects are actually a, a, 
an important part of their diet. We're the weird ones here in the U.S. I believe that to be true. Did so the cicada ice cream? Did it contain cicadas, or does you know how they they can um, recreate flavors in a lab? <laughs> Is that how they got it, or did they actually put cicadas in it? No, they actually used cicadas. It was supposed to be a joke, but it sold out so fast. Oh what? my gosh, I kind of feel like throwing up. Did they know the rule about don't wait until their eyes get red? <laughs> Unfortunately, I was not able to to uh, be there to find out. Um, but I, I do just want to put this caution: uh, if you are thinking about doing this, um, if you are allergic to shellfish, you're going to want to stay away because insects oh. are related. Um, and then also, it's there, there is a caution about eating things that have been underground for, especially for such a long time, because you don't know what has been put on the soil. You don't know what they've been exposed to. So there is a caution. On the other hand, it's super cool. And this is an opportunity to try something new. So uh, if you do, okay, uh, if you get them and you're going to eat them, you need to wash them first, right? Like, yeah, I would right. recommend that. Okay. This is, it's so interesting. You know, we spend really so, so much time talking about politics and it's like, oh, this is, even though it's also somewhat terrifying, it's a breath of fresh air. But it did get me thinking with with the field that you're in um, and horticulture and, and looking at nature, you could go into ecology. How is that field doing now with prospective students? Is it something that continues to grow? Is it something that students don't um, haven't focused on as much as other areas that, you know, we've talked about the. Uh, humanities and such and so forth. How is it doing um, right now? Well, I don't have numbers in front of me, but I do know that there is a growing interest in in nature and in environmental stewardship. People are finding that are recognizing just how important having a healthy environment is to our well-being, individuals' well-beings, and also communities. So. I hope that it continues to grow, that interest continues to grow, not only by students at a university, but by the public generally. Well, Dr. Rial, we, this was fun. We really enjoy fun. the conversation, and uh, we appreciate you jumping on with us. And do you prefer Dr. Bug, or is that just what you <laughs> let people call you? <laughs> um, I think it's a fun nickname, so go okay. ahead. All right, Dr. Bug, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Dr. Tamra Rial or Dr. Bug. She is a field specialist in horticulture at Mizzou How with us on KMOX. How fun is that? All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.